Welcome to episode 79 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and special guest this week, Eli Beery. We've got a big show coming this week. We have my guys. Um, we have a little bit of news off the top, but you know, first we'll start with Eli. He, he's the first, he's the special guest. How are you doing tonight, Eli? You know, I'm, I'm doing good. There's nothing, uh, no preseason action on right now, so I can't lose money. There you um, go. I guess that's always a positive. So I don't know. I feel good. I don't know how to understand this year yet. There's just something weird about it. And um, I keep doing these parlays on underdog with over-unders where I'm hitting like four out of five. So I'm like, yeah, I know about fantasy football, yeah. but really I don't know anything. It, well, it's just too bad on underdog. You have to actually hit five out of five to, to win anything when you're doing that. So it's uh, you, so feel, you feel like you did well, and then you actually just get nothing. Well, anyway, that's how I feel. I don't know <laughs> Dalton, I'm assuming uh, Josh Palmer's a my guy after your dynasty trade yesterday. Uh, Josh Palmer's been my guy for a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> anybody who listens knows. Honestly, watching him go electric 375-1 and one in a preseason game all but sealed it for me. I am fully invested in him. <laughs> and unlike Michael Thomas, he entered the concussion protocol and left it, so he actually heals from his injuries. So, Or not Michael Thomas, I'm sorry, Mike Williams. I'll say, I don't think Michael me. Thomas was actually sure. in the concussion protocol. No, I'm sorry. Talking about Mike Williams, uh, stepping ahead a little too quickly here. But no, unlike Mike Williams, he recovers from his injuries. So I always like that in my players. Well, give us a follow on Twitter at Half Point for Pod, YouTube, Half Point for Podcast. Subscribe to us there. And the TikTok, Half Point for Podcast as well, trying to put out new content. Also, the newsletter, halfpointperpod.substack.com. And where we're going to start today, you mentioned Michael Thomas, Dalton. It's because you have it on the brain. Michael Thomas is dealing with a hamstring injury. A quote from The Athletic from a beat writer says, doesn't sound serious, but I figure we would just use this as a time to die, to talk about Michael Thomas because we really, we've kind of avoided the issue for a while. We really easily could have had him on the ranks debate show. I have him as wide receiver 24, which I honestly thought I was going to be low on him, like ADP-wise, not just by you, by your standards, but just ADP. But he is ADP as wide receiver 29, Dalton is wide receiver 37, Eli, as the res- resident Saints fan on today's podcast, I'm curious where you fall on Michael Thomas right now. First of all, really choice, guys. Open it up with the uh, Mike Thomas <laughs> you know, prompt. To wonder why I was called in. I wasn't sure. Yep. Uh, anyway, no, I can't see anything near ADP this year um, for mostly two reasons. The uncertainty, like, and not just with injury, but just with what are the Saints? Like, can anyone sit here and accurately say, like, I know what the Saints are going to be this year. Like, these guys are going to be this priority i was hoping you i was hoping you could (laughs) the the thing is is (laughs) give me answers there's so much out there the one thing i think you can confidently look into is um jarvis landry so i guess i would divert on this question and i don't necessarily want to answer anything with michael thomas (laughs) but like what i can divert to is known leadership and like quality play and I know James will, you know, James is going to like do his thing. 
I think Olave is really solid. Draft capital obviously means a lot. Mm -hmm. So, like, let's look at the priorities. It was a later deal, but it was still early enough and good enough amount of money where I'm like, okay, Jarvis is important and his ADP is crap. Like, look yep. into that more. I don't know. Look everywhere else. I just think I. So you're going go with around. you're going with the Dalton strategy of if you feel uneasy, go the cheapest route, basically. <laughs> well, like, look who should be in the 20s. I mean, it's it's guys that are almost fundamental to their franchises, and that's not him anymore. You know, man. Wow, that's a big statement. Michael Thomas isn't fundamental to the Saints franchise anymore. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just I'm just saying that's that that's a that's a big that's a loud statement coming from a Saints I, fan. I'm a follow the money guy, but we know anymore you can get away with spending big and using that just as a facet of what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you draft Olave with that much priority if if he's still the most important player, meaning mm -hmm. Thomas. Plus, like Kamara's playing right now, and I I don't obviously want to get into Camara, but like that's a priority as well i don't think jarvis is a bad player at all for sure and i mean he's going to command some sort of target share this is the deepest they've been in a minute at wide receiver in a way they did exactly what the chiefs did with their offensive line which is like hey last year we were bad let's just go mega fix that problem mm -hmm. so i just don't know how well you can really assertively say like he's going to be important i just think that until the hamstring injury, we've seen pretty positive stuff coming out of out of camp for Michael Thomas. Which, honestly, with the way the last couple of years have gone, I don't think that was a given. So, Keyword years. True. It's been no, years. Absolutely. Since he's seen the NFL and, field. And and, and and that's why he's my wide receiver twenty four. Because if this were just uh, a Devontae Adams situation where Michael Thomas goes from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston then he would get the downgrade from, like, wide receiver 3 to, like, 12 or 14. So the 24 is me still pricing in just the overall risk of a guy who hasn't played, but we've at least heard positive reports. And if Michael Thomas comes out and still looks like Michael Thomas, he is going to very quickly be in everyone's top 20 receiver rankings, I think. So that's me trying to guard against that a little bit and apparently i'm gonna end up with him on on teams although i haven't yet but with where i have him ranked you would you would think i would yeah i mean we talked about him a little bit in our first ranking show first i just think this is like a passing of the torch chris olave right massive draft capital gets traded up uh for what it was worth in his one preseason game he did exactly what we thought he could do which was find space and create separation he did that on that nice 20 yard touchdown and if you read the full athletic report where this came out about his hamstring, he's the, the beat reporter is like, he's looked good working by himself on the side. Like Michael Thomas still hasn't put pads on to play football. He hasn't participated in seven on sevens. It's just really worrisome to me that this guy who's about to turn 30 is almost two years removed from playing football. You know, last time he was playing, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady was a Patriot. Like it is pretty yep. insane how long it has been. And then, I mean, he led the NFL in receptions in part because Drew Brees just hyper-targeted him. We don't have that promise. This is the hardest wide receiver room he's ever going to be a part of. And I think that Jarvis Langer and Chris Olave get theirs. Um, of course, I have Chris Olave one spot higher than Michael Thomas, and I will die on the Olave Hill. Eli, was Michael Thomas is... So it, it definitely wasn't when Brady was with the Patriots because his it, game where he got injured was against the Bucks when they beat... 
the Patriots. But was Eli, was that the, the first COVID year, 2020, right? That like that, since he's played? Yeah, that, that week one game against the Bucks. That that was didn't he tap in? I thought he tapped in for a game or two during that year. Oh uh, maybe he came back for the playoffs, you're right. But that year, I, the point I'm trying to make is I think that was Clyde Edwards Hilaire's rookie year, which feels like a million years ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it, it's been a while. I, I agree. Okay, we can we can move on here. I'll kind of breeze through these next few pretty quick. You can tell me if anything stands out to you guys. Uh, Gus Edward is on the PUP, and now what that means is that he is out for the first four weeks. So potentially opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to start off the season strong. Jamison Williams also on the same PUP. He is out at least the first four weeks. That is not a surprise to anybody who's followed the Jamison Williams stuff or lack of stuff is probably the better term uh, in camp. Logan Thomas off the PUP, and he participated in Team Drills Wednesday, so today, on the day of this recording for the first time. Sterling Shepard, amazingly, off the PUP. He tore his Achilles in week 15. I, I don't know when to expect him to play, but just thought that was notable. The last guy, and probably the most notable thing here, is Kenneth Walker may not be ready for week one. We kind of had, I think the news had just broke Dalton when we recorded last week that he was dealing with a hernia thing, as Pete Carroll put it. Now we find out he had a procedure that was separate from the hernia surgery, and I'm still unclear as to what that actually was, but I don't know. Like, Rashad Penny has moved down a spot in ADP in the last 10 days, which is surprising, but he is also hurt right now. I assume he's going to move up. Is there anything in that list of storylines that, that jumps out to you, Dalton? Uh, with the Gus Edwards injury, I also saw that the beat reporters were predicting Mike Davis would handle the majority of carries the first couple weeks. Uh, don't like that if I am a Ravens fan. Really? Are they're, 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 they're writing off J.K. Dobbins being involved that involved that early? Yeah, well, I think they're, they're treating it kind of like what we saw with Saquon last year where the first two or three games, Saquon, you know, he got his 12 carries, and there was clearly a hard cap mm-hmm. to how involved they were going to let him be just to ease him back into the game, which kind of makes sense to me with how we've seen the Ravens refusing to let Dobbins off the PUP until they thought he was ready. I could see them very well kind of limiting his snaps. Um, that this is not me telling anybody to go draft Mike Davis. Don't. Don't <laughs> draft Mike Davis. <laughs> don't do that to yourself. I mean, I don't know. Like he could if it, he could have some value as your literal last pick in a, in a not not like a standard 14 to 15 round draft, but if your league's a little deeper, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um the Kid Walker stuff stands out to me a little bit just because I don't like either of these Seattlebacks because it's Seattle and I don't really expect them to be really good. Mm-hmm. Out of all of the Seattlebacks, I think Travis Homer has the most value in a half PPR league because the most stay- the, the most value. What you yes. you mean based on his ADP, right? I think he might be able to score more points than them based on how often they're going to the, be Then Rashad Penny? Does Rashad Penny no. play 5 games? Does does he play 5 games? Look. Eli, go ahead. I would just like to interject and say I I think you just described a dip in ADP on Penny. What this week alone? That happens every single year when talking about Seattle backfield. It's because they have DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, who are <laughs> preseason gods. But not only that, they are deep, and then they play okay during the season on what twenty percent snap shares. It's nothing more than reporters digging for storylines and who's next in line. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm buying Penny. I think wait a little bit on Walker, but. 
I would still roster Walker at the end of a draft. I think he's the guy that comes through at the end of the year. So if you can somehow get him on like IR or yeah. I don't know what, but I, w- I would take him. Yeah, I, I have Walker ahead of Penny before this. Now I think you have to flip-flop those rankings for right now. But I'm with you that I would still rather have Walker on my team than, than Penny. And I think the fallout from this is probably good. Like once Penny actually comes back, and is healthy, which who knows when that'll be. It doesn't sound like he's going to play in their game on Friday. I think his ADP is probably going to rise, and it's probably going to rise out of my comfort zone. It, that's just my guess. What yeah. are the odds that this is – sorry, Dalton, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say oh. I'm, I'm a fan of not taking either of these backs. What are the odds this is a four-person committee for like 1,500 yards by the end of the year? I'd be pretty surprised if it's four. I think if, if there's a chance that it's three. The most likely way that it's two is if Kenneth Walker gets healthy quick because he's the one that we at least don't know if he can catch passes. We've, I think, I don't remember the stat. It was like Rashad Penny caught, I think, five passes last year or something like that. And he didn't play a ton, but he was the overall RB1 for the last month of the season and caught like three or four passes while doing so. He's never been a pass catcher. So I don't think that's going to start this year. And whether or not there's a third guy that's involved will depend on Walker. But also, I don't think a third guy is going to matter because I'm not convinced that we're ever going to get two guys that matter in this backfield. <laughs> I would agree. I think this this team will give the Texans a run for their money for the worst offense in the NFL. If there is a God, they will beat the Broncos in week one, though. That's all i got to <laughs> say. <laughs> All right, I think we can head to the My Guys portion of this podcast. For those not familiar, maybe it's your first year listening. Maybe you don't listen to other shows that also do a very similar segment to this. My Guys is basically Dalton and I planting a flag. We're telling you we want to draft this guy. We want to leave as many drafts as we can with this guy. And in most cases, we think he's a great value at ADP, too. And... I think we both tried not to repeat too many guys that we've talked about a lot lately. Although we both, we both have a repeat or two because it, it, it's hard. It's hard not to have repeats when we talk right. about so many guys as of late, but Dalton, I'll, I'll let you kick us off with your first guy here. Uh, my first guy, I just really feel like there's a real disconnect between his ADP and where we saw him last year. And it's Trey Lance. Last year, there were people legitimately clamoring to draft Trey Lance when we had no indication that he was going to start. And now he's going as the QB 11, only in front of Matt Stafford. So he's basically going as like your, you know, your 13th round pick on a quarterback, hoping this guy starts. But he has all the makings of what we want in big fantasy quarterbacks who score a lot of points. In college, he had the highest big time throw rate of that draft class, including guys like Justin Fields and Mac Jones. He also has shown us he has a like an amazing rushing floor. Last season, he averaged a, 10 rushes a game, which for fantasy is all but indicative that you're going to finish in the top 12. Over the last 12 seasons, 11 of the 12 quarterbacks to get 125 carries have finished in the top 10 in quarterbacks, and all but or seven of those have finished in the top five for fantasy points per game. The only player who didn't finish in the top 12 was 2020 Cam Newton. And there's a lot of reasons why he didn't finish in the top 12. Uh, Also, Kyle Shanahan is like a god at scheming great playmaker pieces. Last year, Jimmy G saw the seventh most or the most seven-man boxes in the NFL despite missing two games. That means they're stacking it for the run, and they're giving him a lot of easy looks on the outside. 
Treylance isn't like a, a great passer, but when you're getting one-on-one matchups with Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel, those lead to a lot of easy points. And then in his very limited plays last year, he was fourth in the NFL in average depth of target. He has everything you want in a fantasy playmaker, and he's coming so cheap that he's like getting Jalen Hurts, but maybe better at a later pick in an offense with just as good weapons as the Eagles. Yeah, I didn't spoil that for for you this time. I, I, didn't, this time. I, I, didn't, I didn't give the Jalen Hurts part before you could. I think if you were the nitpick, Trey Lance, it would be the passing. And it would be, number one, he didn't look good as a passer last year. And number two, I heard the stat today. He's thrown like 340-something passes since 2019, like total in games. Because he was out, set out an entire season of college before coming to the NFL, and then obviously barely played last year. But I think those nitpicks are more from a real life NFL perspective. You're like, the case for him and Lance is really not that much different to me. Lance is more proven as an NFL passer, but Lance, or Hertz is more proven as an NFL passer, but Lance has obviously the, the big time prospect uh, profile that Hertz just doesn't have. So I just think I, I'm with you with that rushing floor. I think he had 31 carries in like his two or three starts last year. So he's he hit 18 against Arizona. I won't stop saying that because that's huge. Was that's it, like a running back. <laughs> was it was it Arizona or or Houston? But it was it was one of those games where it was like uh, he got more carries than like Joe Mixon did this week. <laughs> like what is going on? Uh, we've got a we've got a opposing Trey Lance opinion in the chat. ADP way too high. He's overrated, which that could be right from a real football perspective. I just think, like you said, Dalton, the rushing floor is probably safe enough to at least give you top 12 quarterback. And if not, what is he, Dalton, like the QB 13 in ADP right now? He's creeped up to 11, but I think you could take him and then Kirk Cousins late, and you feel pretty comfortable about your quarterback room. I will say on like sites like Underdog, he's up to QB 6. And right. I would say that's where you're getting really rich. Yeah, and that, really that I'm not doing. Him. Yeah, I agree. He's a my guy at a QB 11 where he's a 13th round pick with that QB 5 upside. But I don't like taking him in front of guys like Kyler or Tom Brady. Like those, I, I just can't get behind. You used to be able to like get him in round 9 or 10 and mm-hmm. then turn around and get Carr, Rodgers, somebody like that. Yep. And it was totally worth it all summer like through the puppy. Yep. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. And the best part about him, at the at the cheap price, is if it doesn't work out, if it's pretty clear early on that you just don't you don't want to deal with the ride, or it just isn't what what you want as your starting quarterback, you can cut him because you drafted them at as the QB twelve overall. So not that big of an opportunity cost, but potentially huge gain. Like. Dalton, what, what would you say the upside for Trey Lance is this year if everything were to hit? Well, let's be realistic. Like, okay, Trey Lance could become the best player of the NFL, sure. But, like, realistically, what is his upside from a fantasy perspective this year? I will say, like, there's a lot of uh, – I think San Francisco beat reporters are the most full of beat reporters in the NFL. Uh, every every year they have, like, three players who are having the best preseasons of their life. Last year it was Ayuk and Sermon. This year it's Ayuk and – Lance, um, but they're saying this is like a Mahomesian, like come around, like he's Patrick Mahomes. He's he sat a year and he's going to come out and he's going to be this amazing play caller. I don't think it's going to be that. I also know he plays in the NFC West with some difficult, very difficult games. 
I think he will be a slightly frustrating quarterback who weekly upside gives you like QB one each week, but there, he's going to have weeks where he's outside the top 12 mm. where defense is key in on his pass game. He can't get his rush game going. He finishes for like 180 yards, 12 rushes for 50 yards. And you're not very happy with the performance. Yep. Right. I, th- I think the bottom line is exactly what you said a couple weeks ago. Why take Jalen Hurts at QB six? If you can take Trey Lance at QB 11 or 12, which if you can't do that, then that that's not where I like Trey Lance. But if you can do that, I'm in on that. Another guy that I am very in on, Dal- I know we're both in on, Khalil Herbert. Uh, Mr. Okie-doke himself thought he was like out for the season, and then he's back at practice a couple days later. Uh, he is dirt cheap RB59 right now. Now, I will say, I have a little bit of baggage when it comes to Herbert. I was very wrong last season on what I thought the Bears would do <laughs> based on how Herbert looked to me when Montgomery was out. I thought that... Herbert was going to keep some kind of role when Montgomery came back, and he kept basically no role. So I was wrong about that. But when Montgomery was out last season, Herbert got 18 or more carries in all four games. He was the RB16 in that stretch, and that's that's as a rookie. He just, to me, looks like a player with more upside than Montgomery. I think Montgomery is like a very solid running back. And I'm not even saying that Herbert is for sure better than him right now, but... If you're just talk like talking tools, I think he's a more toolsy guy than David Montgomery. And you're taking him at the very end of your draft. So you don't need him to start. You don't need him to do anything. It's just if you're taking a dart throw running back, that that's the guy that, that I'm targeting late in drafts. And then you have the factor that David Montgomery is entering the last year of his contract. It's new coaches, new front office. We don't know if he'll be back. Now, maybe that doesn't affect this year at all, and they run into the ground, or maybe they start to bring Herbert more into the fold a little bit. But I do think Herbert is a better scheme fit for the outside zone, which kind of seems like the way the Bears are heading. He's got great one-cut ability. And you know what? If none of that works out, at the very least, you have a guy who I think is pretty talented behind David Montgomery who – Odds are he's going to miss games because all running backs do, but Montgomery with his physical style is probably more susceptible to like a week or two here or there. And Herbert would be very valuable in those couple of weeks. Yeah. And obviously uh, I'm a huge Herbert guy as well. Uh, Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator for the bears comes from green Bay where they utilize a two back set. So already I think that that hampers the upside case you can make for David Montgomery and it really increases the opportunity you're going to see for Khalil Herbert to establish himself. Um, he is my guy, just like he's a, a my guy for you, Evan. My caution is that this is the Bears. Mm-hmm. Like the the output you can get from Herbert is not going to be like league winning in almost any situation I can think of. He will be a great flex play with real like top twenty weekly upside if Montgomery really gets phased out and the Bears front office decides that this isn't the guy they want to go with and Herbert is the depth chart behind him is really shaky. Tristan Ebner is injured Um, below that is Darrington Evans from Tennessee. He looks like he's going to be a potential cut candidate. Uh, My only concern with him is that it's just a bears player. The upside of that is that the bears need playmakers and Khalil Herbert certainly proved to be a playmaker last season. Yep. I could say one thing for sure, just watching preseason and obviously we don't get everyone. We don't get a lot of Mooney coverage. And a lot of people believe in Cole Komet, though I know some of us are kind of like, 
you know, how much Matt. of a special playmaker is he? Matt. 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 <laughs> Look, I met him from my team a little while ago, so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> they're, one thing is definitely for sure watching that team, they're going to need to run the ball quite a bit because they can't leave it all up to that receiving group. They're going to have to move the chain somehow. And I, there's no way it's all falling on Montgomery's shoulders, especially when neither of those guys are brought in by the total regime in place right now. Yeah. So looking at upside, you're looking at the younger and more like overall skill-setted guy, which would definitely be Herbert. Yep. Agreed on all points. Real quick before we move on to the next guy, I figured we'd give, uh, give the chat an answer here on this. 12-team PPR redraft. Who wins the trade? Jalen Waddle and Elijah Moore. For C.D. Lamb, I'm going to side with Waddle Moore, even though Lamb is awesome. I don't usually like trading uh, one guy for two. It kind of depends right. on your team, I guess. But, I mean, Waddle is like top 20-ish guy. Moore could be top 24. At the very worst, he has a flex type of receiver. I, I like the depth in that trade. Yeah, I'm actually going to cut against you here on this one. Hmm. Um, I think C.D. Lamb could be the wide receiver one. Uh, and lead the league in targets and receptions just because of the way Dallas is playing out. Uh, Waddle is also like mysteriously missed two weeks of practice. Mm -hmm. And I am also really down on the entire Miami Dolphins receiving core, not a believer in Tua. And then with Elijah Moore, he was better when Zach Wilson didn't play. I know that doesn't say a lot, but I am a little worried that maybe Zach Wilson has found favorites elsewhere and that Elijah Moore could suffer from that. He's a very skillful player, but it's also still the Jets we're betting on. I just like CD Lamb because I feel like I can leverage and get like a good waiver wire guy in redraft. I don't think you can replace CD Lamb's production even with two players, even in a Waddle and more. Eli? Team context, I think, would be pretty critical here yep. just because I, I do think that both Waddle and Elijah Moore, like I love Elijah Moore, but obviously you can't certify him based on his performance last year. So if I'm drafting the bout, like the players, and I, like, feel good about everything else on my team. Like, Waddle and Elijah Moore, I'd go with. But if I'm set, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. If I've got solid guys at wide receiver in two and three, I'd go for CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, if, if you – if you, I agree. If you don't need depth, then I would keep, right. keep, keep the best player because it's even enough where I just take the best but guy. But there is a real chance that Elijah Moore is nothing but a streamable flex guy this year. It's possible. And, and, yeah, Waddle is definitely not going to put up wide receiver number one, you know, year numbers this year. It's not. It's Tyreek and him. It's not just him. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. With you on that for sure. All right, Dalton, your second guy. Uh, this is probably the most drastic take I have this offseason. It reminds me of last year with my Austin Eckler take where I was just so far ahead of ADP. I was really worried I was wrong. Uh, right now, Aaron Jones is the RB11 in redraft, mm -hmm. and he's my RB5. And I just have to make the case for it. And I know like preseason doesn't matter, but I do think it's notable to point out that Aaron Rodgers would ask about AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. So we need to put our best 11 out there. And those are two of our best 11. Me and Evan have been hammering the AJ Dillon train all off season. I'm also on the Aaron Jones train because I think he has to be out there for like 70 plus snaps for this offense to work. You look at their offensive line and it's really good again. If Bakhtiari is healthy and he came off the pup, he could be the guy. This Tom Woods fourth-round draft pick at right tackle is balling out in the preseason. He hasn't allowed a single pressure. <laughs> I know it's small, but it is a, not it says a lot about what he's doing. Not and then you look at like this wide receiver room, 
it's Sammy Watkins, who has not done anything in his career of substance since his rookie season. Randall Cobb, who is washed. Romeo Dubes, or Dubs, however you say it, who, like, I am not, like, going to, like, lose my mind on this preseason hype train for him. And then you have Christian Watson, who still hasn't been able to play in a preseason game and was already a project wide receiver. And then Alan Lazard, who's a fine wide receiver, and that's it. I think Aaron Jones is the best wide receiver on this team. I was listening to the athletic football show, and they went back and looked at a very fun game. It was Kansas City against Green Bay in 2019 when Devontae Adams wasn't there. Aaron Jones scored two touchdowns. Both those touchdowns, he did not play running back. In the first one, he was lined up at the X receiver role and ran a sluggo route. That's not something running backs do. Second one was yeah, a screen. Do you, do, you, do you remember bonus points for this? Do you remember who was covering him on that play? Uh, I'm just going to go with the most obvious answer and say Daniel Sorensen. It was Anthony Hitchens. They were covering him oh, with a linebacker. Okay. <laughs> That's why he scored. They were covering him with a linebacker. And then he also scored on a wide receiver. On yeah. uh, but they're going to line him up out wide. And then you just look at his splits without Devontae Adams and his career. It's only eight games. But last season, without Devontae Adams, he scored 22.9 fantasy points per game. Would have been second most of any player. Then Was that only one game last season? Right? Well, last two seasons. I'm oh, sorry, okay, okay, 2019. okay. And then you look at 43% of the Packers' targets are up for grabs. And only one player on this roster got more than 60 targets last year. And it was Aaron Jones. Otherwise, it's just really hard for you to like create a case that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to feed his best player because that's what he does. And I think that Aaron Jones is going to lead the team in targets and lead the team in receptions and come out on top. Now, it's not going to be like a 150 target season like Devontae Adams. I think he spreads the ball around more. But an, a 90 to 100 target season for Aaron Jones is a really easy pass. Wow, I would, I would be shocked if it's that high. That would be crazy. I think it is well within his range of outcomes. That's like Can I the, say something? Yeah, Can go ahead. Go ahead. Like, okay. I would buy Aaron Jones this year just because there's a lot of guys after Aaron Jones that are pretty flaky. And I would buy yes, him. Yes, but, but, but that's at RB11. If you look at RB5, how many of the guys from 5 to 10? I'll pull up ADP and ask you here. Go ahead. Keep talking. No, I'll pass it on, but, like, hey, Alvin Kamara used to get 80 a year, so. Well, he'll get 80 happen. catches a year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah and I'm saying. the realm of possibility. Like, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with just, you know, limited rushing volume, too, I think it's an easy path for him to hit there. And I think Aaron Rodgers is smart enough that they're going to run concepts in the red zone that feed him. I think it could just be, like, Austin Eckler, where the high-value touches are all there for him. All right, I'm going to play a name game with just Eli because everyone can look at Dalton and I's ranks just to find this answer. Eli, Aaron Jones or Najee Harris this year? Najee, obviously. I'm Okay. Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook this year? See, that that's like where you can start to get into I don't know territory because it feels like there's a lot of guys that could drop into the just barely top 20 and a lot of guys that could stay top five, mm -hmm. both Dalvin Cook and Kamara and almost even Eckler being three of those guys, purely on age alone. Mm -hmm. Lenny Fournette, another guy. Like, what is he, you know? And it's just because the past two years, a few of these guys have been, you know, all over the place. How about Joe Mixon so, or Aaron Jones? I'm big on Joe Mixon. I take him, I sometimes take him at the end of the first. So La last one, last one, Alvin Kamara or Aaron Jones. 
as the Saints fan. I didn't want to yank at questions today. No, that's okay. Um, I didn't like that sleeper blur the other day about him being sued. Um, <laughs> I missed that I'm gonna, one. Okay, I'll take, so I'll take Aaron Jones. I'll take Aaron Jones. I'll okay. give you this one because I think that he is much more prioritized on that team and more impactful this year. I think it's not, it sounds like Eli is probably like halfway in between where ADP and I have Aaron Jones and where right. Dalton has has Aaron Jones. I was I was yeah. just curious on that. Okay, so for sure, I I love Aaron Jones this year too. I just like him a lot more at the RB eleven price. I, I don't want him at at RB five. I know the games without Devontae Adams have been good, but Great. you know four and a half receptions per game is really good but this is a guy that's been three and a half receptions a game you know last year and the year before too so it one more catch per game matters especially at the top but it's not like he's all of a sudden doubling his output every week uh from a reception standpoint without Devontae Adams and I will say I think it is kind of important to note that only one of those games without Devontae Adams last season came with AJ Dillon like really fully actualized in this offense, and I'm not saying, like, again, I think Jones is going to be awesome, and I think there's definite upside for him to reach Dalton's rank, but I just think it's tough to look back at the games without Devontae Adams and just project it, which I'm not saying you are, because if you just projected the non... Well, he'd be my RB2. Yeah, yeah, he'd be, he'd be if, you, if, you, if you were just taking it uh, on face value, he, it would be, but I think it's tough to, to do that, because all of those games without Devontae Adams were games where the team was scrambling for a game plan because Devontae Adams was still on the team. They've had a whole offseason to build this offense, to figure out how they want to run this offense through both of these backs. And, you know, I've been very on record with AJ Dillon. He's going to come up later in, in the show as well. Um, I just think... I just Aaron Jones has never had, I don't think, I'd have to look, he's never topped 300 touches. I don't think that's going to happen this year either. I, they just have never seemed to want to overburden him. They've been, they've taken the anti-Christian McCaffrey uh, work with with him. They've kind of gone the Austin Eckler route, where they are more careful with the amount of work they put on his shoulders. Yeah, and I do think that he reaches this the same way Eckler reached it last season, which is he has a ton of high-value touches in the red zone mm-hmm. that result in touchdowns. I think this team plays 12 personnel more than they did last year, too with Robert Tunyon and Josh DeGura, uh, just because I don't think their wide receiver cores are as equipped for well, it. Well, and they're, and they're going to play a lot of two two back sets, whether it's Aaron yeah. Jones lined up out wide or in the slot or both of these guys in the backfield. We've talked about that. I think, and here's where I think our, our biggest difference is, are you even considering that A.J. Dillon could be the top running back on this team this year? Because I definitely have that very much on my mind. I mean, I would put it in my range of outcomes, but... Also, one of my bold takes for this year is that they're both top 12 backs. So, I mean, yes, I could definitely see a world where A.J. Dillon eclipses um, Aaron Jones because he's very talented, but I just think they're both so good. that, And they're they're the best skill position players on their team, I yep. think, by a good margin, yep. that they both just get enough work and that this offense is smart enough that they, they incorporate them effectively at what they're both good at. Yep, I, I just think that might be part of what's dragging down my, my Jones rank. In comparison to you is that I – have a little more confidence in Dylan than than you might. Yeah. Eli, did you bring anybody guys to this show? Absolutely. All right, Eli, hit you us ready with to one. Hear some of these? Oh yeah. 
Well, okay. Do you want to top in one or somebody that you can find later on? Well, let's go later on first. I think that, well, I, I say that Dalton went with a, a second round pick here. So he kind of okay. jumping around. So go <laughs> whoever you want, whoever you want. We'll get into this first. We'll just clear the air because this is somebody that like, he, he like has I, his whole dynasty team written down on his yeah. <laughs> I, It could very much go this way. And I will start with one of my dynasty guys, but this it's all a series of events with this guy. Uh-huh. So this is someone that I've never loved prior to this year. Um, and kind of put myself in a situation where I did an exchange for a wide receiver two, and I got this guy back on just the pure hope that I think he's going to develop into what I think he can. So I'm going to put out a couple of variables, okay? Um, Guy's 25 years old. He's just been given $10 million to play football. Uh, He's coming off an injury. I'm not talking about Juju, okay? I know who who this is already, but keep going. Yeah, okay. This is somebody you guys don't tend to enjoy. His name is DJ Shark, all right? DJ Shark, when, when I'm asked about and and like this isn't something that happens every day but every once in a while a friend who doesn't play much fantasy football is like hey there's a guy i'm looking for late like who can i add to make an impact i'm like go get dj shark late dj shark has consistently been wide receiver six or seven maybe sometimes five on my best ball teams and you can get him so entirely late but the reason for that is obviously his injury history it's the detroit lions being not so great it's, you know, new coaching staff. It's a mod, mod Ross St. Brown, yada, yada, all these variables. But what everyone fails to look at is that when DJ Shark is healthy, he's really good. DJ Shark right now is going at wide receiver 63 mm-hmm. ADP in best ball. Um, when he actually plays a healthy season, he's topped out at 17, and I believe it was 49. So he's consistently better than that when he actually does get stretches of playing. Like I said, he's young, he's 25. There's something more noticeable about a person when they reach this point in their lives. He's got a family. He's just been paid a good amount of money. He's relocated. I'm starting to add personal details to this. But if you look at the Lions, first of all, I haven't seen him yet on Hard Knocks, which is a fantastic sign. But two, they're starting to take things that we used to see with like the Rams and turn it into the Lions, right? It starts with Goff. They have a Maude Ross St. Brown, that skilled slot position that we know God Goff tends to like mm-hmm. favor. Um, but then they also have the field stretcher. And early reports on DJ Shark coming out this year was that his route tree is starting to expand um, with this group and yep. this program. Uh, That's so true. I, I had that I had that in more? the newsletter too. Right. Are they going to start using him more like a Robert Woods? We know they have Josh Reynolds at their wide receiver three who in that stretch from 2018 to 2020 played the same role. Um, and while they were all simultaneously paid apart, Cup, Woods, and Reynolds, um, all three of them thrived pretty well in that system. And the best part about that is, aside from 2018 where Goff actually did pretty well, Goff was never better than quarterback 20. Yet all three of those players were able to thrive sufficiently. So, just in my opinion, this is like a clear late round grab it right away. This guy's too good. He's super skilled, super fast. He's going to add a layer to this team, and they're hungry. So all it is is just prove it. Mm-hmm. So I, I will say, 
when I wrote the Lions section of the newsletter, I actually wrote, I did not expect to come into this wanting to draft DJ Chark at cost this year because I figured he would be more like in the in the mid-40s, which is right. close to where I have him ranked, but I would be a little uncomfortable taking him there over some of the guys there. If he's in the 60s, I, I think it's totally fine. Like, like you said, he looked like a breakout star for one year, but I do Love think... I do think he has to shoulder some of the blame for the last couple of years. I know there's been a lot of stuff out of his control, injuries, bad coaching, bad quarterback. But right. just as far as reception perception goes, he has not graded out well the last couple of years either. So we'll see if he can get back on track. If I'm drafting Chark, which, again, I am not opposed at that price. If you're drafting him in a non-best ball league, I am drafting, hoping he starts off well and shipping him off because I do think Jamison Williams looms. Perfectly fair. Um, the thing is, is like he's going around. All right, where do I take quarterback if I pick late? Where do I take tight end or tight end two? Mm-hmm. Like, where am I taking deep running backs? So it just seems like such a worthwhile shot, especially when you're looking for a fastball guy that can go like 20 points one week. You know, mm-hmm. so for sure. not saying golf has the best arm, but we know that at least he's a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll take Josh Palmer 13 spots later. Uh, 75 well uh, you i'm not surprised by that take but one sad i did just look this up for fun last season in 14 games jared goff had 52 passes that traveled 20 yards in 13 games Tua Viloa had 58 passes that traveled farther and that that probably encapsulates my biggest concern is that we know jared goff can't throw deep and i think that's a lot of what shark will be asked to do um, and then the underneath options, I think they're just better at underneath route running than Chark is. So he's not going to get those opportunities in in lieu of Swift, Hawkinson, or St. Brown. Um, those are my big concerns. If I were to like paint a positive picture, this is probably like the second best offensive line in football. And if there's ever a time in his life where Jared Goff is going to have time to throw a deep ball, it is going to be with this team. And if there's ever a team that is going to need some Hail Mary bailouts to win a game is <laughs> also going to be this team. So those are the positives. I'm Maybe. Thinking. I don't know, man. We're getting a little bit of Lions hype uh, the last couple of weeks. We are. Might actually, we, you're right. Might we also quick, like, add Goff had 494 attempts and 332 completions last year. Horribly low numbers. So it has to improve. I mean, there's no way it doesn't improve. If we he know Jared Goff is. If he 100 more attempts, he gets the same numbers he got as quarterback 20 in a Rams offense that produced really functional wide receivers. That's all I'll say. All right. My second guy, we're going to New England. We're going to the only guy that I want to draft, really, uh, on the Patriots, and that's Ramondre Stevenson. So Ramondre Stevenson, for those of you who don't know, which literally nobody besides Dalton or I do, was on a long-lost sophomore breakout video that was recorded and accidentally deleted, won't name any names, uh, how, how that happened, but Ramondre Stevenson was one of my guys on there, so he's transferred to this show. He is, like I said, the only guy I want to draft in this offense. I'm going to give the exact same spiel Dalton I gave on that video, and you can respond as you see fit. It is almost as if Ramondre Stevenson's rookie season was like written in, in a script by Bill Belichick. He's a preseason star, gets everybody excited. He's running guys over. He's stiff arming. He's truck sticking. And it, it's like, man, we got to get this Ramondre Stevenson kid on our fantasy team. What does he do week one? He fumbles. What does that do to him as a player? It puts him firmly 
on the bench and in the doghouse. He is a DNP for three weeks, essentially. His snap, per- his snap percentage was inconsistent the rest of the season, but as it got more consistent later on, the production was kind of quietly there for Stevenson. All of the counting stats last year are going to favor Damian Harris. He was the guy that was there all season, and he was good last year, to be clear. He was the RB13. But I think the eye test told me and a lot of other people who watch the Patriots, especially down the stretch, Stevenson is the more explosive player of these two. If you're thinking about a back that can actually run in the Kyle Shanahan offense, which allegedly that's what we're doing in New England now, it is Ramondre Stevenson. That That is not Damian Harris's game. We'll, we'll see if that actually catches on New England this year, but that that's another factor to keep in mind. Um he has the fifth. He was fifth in highest rate of missed tackles forced by a rookie running back since 2011 per PFF. That's a stat we pull out for Javante Williams a lot. Ramondre Stevenson also on that list from weeks eight through 17 when Stevenson was back in the lineup on a very regular basis and getting pretty decent playing time. Harris was the RB 17 and Stevenson the RB 25. I have him back to back right now. RB 24, RB 25 with Harris being one spot higher, and that that's a good five, ten spots higher than ADP, last I checked at least. There's no James White. I'm not saying this guy's going to step into the James White role. He's not going to be full-on James White. But there's at least opportunity there, and I hope it's not Ty Montgomery because that just does nothing for anybody. If Stevenson can at least step into that role a little bit, he's a talented enough runner that if I go – with the the hero RB strategy, which is drafting a running back in the first round and then basically waiting out the entire dead zone, this is the number one guy I'm targeting. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Stevenson. One of the most important things with evaluating running back, one of the stickiest stats from college to the NFL is forced missed tackle rate. Kareem Hunt led his college class at it, obviously turned out to be a great player. So did Nick Chubb. So did Javante Williams. All of those you know, top 10, top 12 running backs in the NFL. Stevenson was only behind Javante Williams to do it. So just as much belief in him. I will say on underdog, it's getting a little rich for me. A little pricier, huh? Well, it's that he's RB 28 now. And then Mm -hmm. Damian Williams or Damian Harris is falling down to like 101, 15 spots later at RB 33. And now it's like, we're getting to this gap where it is tough for me because when it comes to the high value touches at the end of last season, like those red zone rushes, it was Harris getting a lot more of those. And that is good for fantasy production. I rank both these guys above ADP, just like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, Stevenson well, is the RB 36 on fantasy pros still. Yes. So it is not, fantasy, it has not come right. around in normal drafts. Yes. Uh, and in normal drafts, love the value. What is going to be frustrating, and I owned both these guys in our dynasty league last year, is they literally alternate drives. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost luck of the draw of how well a drive goes, if whether or not you're going to get to see like a good production out of your player, or if you're going to be spending two more offensive possessions waiting to see them back on the field. But if both Harris and Stevenson get the third down opportunities, then I think both of them are like pretty, pretty good, you know, plays. Yep. Yep. When I first heard news of James White role, I was legitimately happy for both of them and the people that um, manage those players in fantasy formats. Um, I The one thing I do hope is that Bill Belichick treats this as like a third down plus role 
and then it's not just the James White role, mm-hmm. and then it's catered to who Ramondre is because he's so explosive as a runner. I think immediately when I watch him, like I profile him as a, an explosion power runner. Yet he catches so well, kind of like a Daryl Williams type back. Mm-hmm. Um, Except so he's I, a lot. Yeah, he's a lot better than Daryl. Absolutely, from mm-hmm. an expo- yeah, from a skills and explosion standpoint, way better. Yep. But he can definitely pop off. I don't think it's at the cost of Damian Williams too much. Like I can still see Damian Williams getting 175 fantasy points. Damian Harris, year. you've caught the doll. Damian Harris, you caught the doll. Harris, yeah, exactly. Harris, um, just like, like 25 point dip. Ramondre increasing a good like 50 or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Okay, Dalton, who's your third? Okay, this one I can't make sense of. It's Cortland Sutton. Right now, he is going as the wide receiver 19. Two years ago, he finished as the wide receiver 19 with Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Brandon Allen thrown to him. A big change in Denver for anybody that doesn't know is that Russell Wilson is now there. Uh, Stats from, sorry, camp reports is that this is his favorite target. I'm not big to lead into that. There is a little bit of a Bible narrative going on with these two, which we had <laughs> Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. I'm just saying, favorite target, you want it. But the stats do make up for this as well. If you look at Russ, since 2015, he's third in the NFL in red zone accuracy. He's second in the NFL in deep ball air yards. And he's the, the best quarterback at extending plays, other than maybe Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Those are really what Cortland Sutton wants out of a quarterback. And then you look at his 2019 season where he played with just hogwash for quarterbacks. He was 15th in the NFL in targets at 126, 7th in the NFL in target share at 26%, 10th in air yards, 1st in total air yard share with 42% of his team's air yards. He had 50% of the team's passing touchdowns. He was 11th in deep targets, and he was 7th in red zone targets with a 38% career target share. I mean, this guy has like all the underlying dominating stats of somebody who's just waiting for a quarterback to get plucked and placed there. What I was looking at his, his career arc is looking a lot like Stefan Diggs, where everybody was saying that this guy has all the metrics underlying. He just needs a quarterback who's there to help put it all together. For yeah. Him. But his, his underlying metrics are not as impressive. No. As well, and, he, and, and he, and he's had the, the down, he, he did not have the same year last Diggs never had a year like he had last year. Well, and that's where it's funny because this is from Ian Harditz. Last year, Sutton lost 420 receiving yards alone on inaccurate throws, which was the second most Mm -hmm. in the NFL, only behind Hollywood Brown, who created his own problems. But the way Sutton fits with Russell Wilson is like what you would ask for on a Madden franchise. Like you want a guy who's good at red zone throws and deep balls, and it's exactly, it fits exactly what his game is. And then like he's fourth in the NFL in yards after the catch behind Debo, Chase, and Lockett last year, all of those guys finished in the top 20. He was the wide receiver 42. And the only difference there is that he was playing with absolutely terrible quarterback play. And then just targeting a guy in the AFC West. Like, it's going yep. to be shootout city for the AFC West all season. It's going to be a fantasy gold mine. So, I will say, I, I love Cortland Sutton. I just have him ranked at ADP as opposed to where you have him ranked. So, I'm going to gonna play devil's advocate and throw a little cold water on this here. I can't quite the, – the one thing I can't quite shake with Sutton is how he and Tim Patrick have basically been the Spider-Man meme the last couple of years. They've been essentially the same guy with Patrick being maybe slightly better when they've both been on the field, and they've both been playing with the same terrible quarterback. Uh, I know Sutton had the awesome breakout year in 2019, but 
Then he hurt his shoulder. Then he tore his ACL. So we've got some injuries that pile up with Sutton. And he started off the year pretty strong last year, like just from an individual perspective, from a reception perception perspective. But he tailed off at the end of last season. I, I want to give him that benefit of the doubt that was the first year post-ACL. But I also just kind of would like to see him do it first before I'm pricing him in the top. What do you have him ranked right now? Like 14 overall? 14 at receiver, 13. I mean? 13? Wow, yeah. 13. See, I I think there's just other guys in that range. I'm, I tend to lean more toward guys who have proven it year over year in that range. And, and Sutton is like one of my first guys in that next up tier where, okay, they haven't done it on a year-to-year basis, but I, I think it's all set up for him this year. That's how I see it. So you have him at wide receiver? 21. So you think he will have a worse year than he had two years ago with that supporting cast at quarterback? Well, I I honestly think it's closer between he and Judy than you're probably giving it credit for. I actually, I wouldn't be shocked if, if you're just talking about a deep ball fit. I think Judy might be kind of a better deep ball fit with Russell Wilson than... Oh, oh, there's just no way. I mean, Judy is the speed guy. He's the guy that can actually beat you over the top. Sutton's just the contested catch guy. I'm not saying he's a better deep ball guy, but a fit with a quarterback with a rocket arm, I can picture I, mean, I can picture Judy running underneath the Russell Wilson moon balls a little bit more than I can picture Cortland Sutton. I, mean, I, I since, can picture the Tyler Lockett syndrome there. Well, since entering the NFL, Cortland Sutton's 11th in deep targets. Like you can't no, say no, this guy isn't a deep ball player. I didn't say he wasn't a deep ball player. I'm talking about fit with the quarterback. Absolutely. I think this is like the fit for him. Big bodied red zone guy can win his deep catches. I think it's a good fit. I also think that everyone just kind of says it's the perfect fit because we want him to be DK Metcalf real bad. (laughs) Well, I won't even give him DK, but. Well, you better not. I won't. (laughs) Do you want a little bet where you have Judy rigged? I have Judy below Sutton. So I'm not saying Judy's going to be better than Sutton. So you think for the first time in his career, Russ won't have a top 20 wide receiver? Yeah, I, I just don't – I don't buy into – because, like, the narrative is, oh, well, Russell Wilson always is a top 12 receiver. So, he's gonna, it's like, no. Well, top that, 20 even. You're not even giving that. I mean, he's 21. So, he, I, I have mean, that, one that spot matters. below that. That matters. That'll I have a one time, spot below that. That'll be the first time we're not seeing a top 20 receiver from Russell Wilson. Wow. God forbid Cortland Sutton finishes 21 and we have to adjust our stat by one spot. <laughs> I'm just saying. You guys, look. We can bicker over Broncos all day. <laughs> we actually know the truth, though, about the Broncos. Don't mind if I do. I'm going to take control of this one here. I'm going to let you know about a guy you guys know, Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite player this year. All right? Um, I truly look at the running back class this year, and I have questions in the big old middle landscape. I love guys down lower that have their down range. I love guys like super, super high because everybody wants a bell cow. They want JT or CMC. In the middle, it's like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Um, Javante Williams, my guy. We look at him last year. You know, he's going probably third or fourth. He's like a skilled rookie. Everybody wants like third or fourth round. Everybody wants to take a shot. He totally lived up to it. Uh, Running back 17, that's on 900 yards. I want to highlight he's running back 1B, getting less than 50% of snaps, but a really solid amount of targets in the middle of the season. And then um, when they finally unleash him against Dallas and then going forward, 
He starts to show examples of being a 1A running back, getting about 60% of the snaps. Melvin Gordon goes through his things. But, like, he's flashing, like, top five running back stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked about Aaron Jones earlier, like, how you put him against these guys where you're like, okay, I'd rather take that. I'd rather take that. And it's all on this target upside. I think that's the one thing everybody fails to talk about when it comes to Javante Williams. And if you look at Aaron Jones' targets, that's in the, like, 50s range with him catching 40 to 50 the same could be said about Javante last year on 50% or less time so I'm consistently drafting him in the second round like the late second round but to be very clear he's my guy because I would draft him anywhere in the second round so I think that's the actual Broncos player we need to be talking about this year because that is the best chance at providing a higher stake of value than where you draft him if there's any improvement at all in a playing time two carries which he already had 200 so i don't mind that number right there but if he gets even a little bit more volume as far as like targeting and the last thing touching on target i want to talk about is russell wilson and while i think russell wilson is going to have a great relationship with his receivers i think it's more important to talk about how he trusts special playmakers and I know Chris Carson and, and Javante Williams don't pair up as like a one-to-one type player, but we would see these weird like moonshot type balls to Chris Carson in space. <laughs> and I think true. that if Javante can get enough time and get looks in space, we're going to see things that's like, I trust you. Here's the ball. So I'm taking uh, Javante very clearly in the end or whenever I can in the second because I know he's an RB1 this year. So that's my take on the Broncos as a whole. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Eli. I probably don't have him ranked as high as you. I'm RB11, which is right around his ADP, but he is one of my favorite guys to draft in, in, in his range this year. Dalton, you and I probably don't have to go too long on Javante Williams. Um, we debated that on the rank show. It's on the YouTube channel, uh, Javante Williams, Breakout or Overhyped. So go check that out for Dalton I's full opinions. But I think it's safe to say I am Team Eli on this, and Dalton is Team Anti-Javante on this. Yeah, first of all, I love Javante, great player. Um, maybe he just trusts his college running back a little more in Melvin Gordon. Just saying, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just Take saying, him as Melvin, an RB1. Melvin Gordon is not washed. Is Melvin Gordon in Bible study with him and uh, Cortland Sutton? No, they're you know what? <laughs> I'll regret saying that, one, I guess. but Coop, you know, that, that narrative with Cooper Cup last year could have won you a million dollars on best ball, but we didn't listen to it then. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. My third guy here, another sophomore video guy, is Rashad Bateman. He got off to the rough start last season thanks to the training camp groin injury that cost him, I think, like six games to begin last season. He missed a pretty significant amount of time. The Ravens have still never brought in a receiver like we thought they would. There is still time, um, unless it's. If it's Odell Beckham, then it impacts later down the season. If it's anybody else, I'm not sure how big of an impact it has, period, on the team. You mean so, Marcus Robinson's not going to be the guy that makes your list? I think if uh, the Raiders cut him, and the Raiders have nothing at receiver after their top couple guys, so I think that tells you all I need to know there. Um, I've mentioned reception perception a few times, and reception perception absolutely loves this guy. Effortless separation against any kind of coverage. He's technically refined, can win one-on-one matchups at all three levels. He's really, really good on slant routes, curls, and digs. 
I think he gives this offense a new dimension as the number one guy because he just brings so much more, so much more diverse skill set to the table than Hollywood Brown. And I, I love Hollywood Brown. I, I love him for what he is, which is a deep ball specialist who can do more than that. But he's not the complete receiver that I think Bateman can be in the NFL. He just hasn't really proven it yet. Um, I just think this is this is to me the Ravens' number one receiver of the future, very clearly. But I honestly, and Dalton, I said this to you on the video, so you're not going to be shocked by this, but Eli might be. I think this time next year we're going to be talking about Rashad Bateman as a higher pick than Mark Andrews on this team. I think this guy is going to have an awesome, awesome season. So, like, end of second round? Yeah, I I think he's going to be, like, a a two, three-turn guy next year in the T. Higgins range where T. Higgins is right now. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely plausible. I mean, it's like if you look who goes there, it's Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. I mean, it's – you could totally say and, – and I think you're right. Like, this is the year you have to get in on him from the ground up. Mm-hmm. It's so clear. He can catch the ball, first of all. I love him first and foremost because there is legitimately no one on this team but Mark Andrews that is going to challenge him mm-hmm. for targets. But if you go back to, like, his Minnesota tape, he's legitimately a, a talent. And I know a lot of people, especially on draft Twitter, were upset he went to Baltimore yep. <laughs> because they're, they're not going to utilize his full range of skills. Uh, the right. good news is now they have to because Devin DuVernay and James Proche just aren't guys who are going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demarcus Robinson definitely is going to cut it. And I think – I mean, Isaiah <laughs> Likely very well could be the third pass catcher. Yeah, in, in absolutely. Offense. And we wouldn't be surprised at all. I think this is their most talented wide receiver by a mile, and he does everything w- really well. He mm-hmm. generates separation. He's a big body. T- he's not going to lose out on blocking downs when they would have run the ball and play the hard nosed, you know, Ravens football we've come to, you know, and, respect the last and, five years. And, and the new dimension that I think he brings: eighty-two percent contested catch rate last year. Yeah. That's not something that this offense had on a consistent basis because he wasn't around on a consistent basis. And I guess I just don't understand his ADP wide receiver 33. I'm not saying I have him 25. So I'm not saying take this guy top 20, but weeks one through nine, when Lamar played Hollywood was wide receiver five. And then weeks one through 12, Lamar missed one game in that stretch. Hollywood was wide receiver 12. I'm not saying it's going to be that, but I hear a lot of people downplay Bateman because of Mark Andrews and lack of volume. It's like, well, you know, we just saw Hollywood have a great season in the games that Lamar played. Why, why can't Bateman be a top 24 type of guy? Right. Well, another I, thing. The, the with, one thing I can never understand is, like, touchdowns. I don't, hmm. They're never factored into that ADP either because where are all these touchdowns with the Ravens supposed to go? Just to make a quick point, you know. Not, not, not all of them are going to be rushing touchdowns. They have to throw some. Absolutely. Well, and great minds think alike because uh, that's where I was going with this, Eli. And let's not forget – uh, Lamar Jackson <clears throat> in the regular season has not thrown an interception in the red zone. He also has the highest pass rating of any starting quarterback in the red zone. Like he's legitimately a good passer. And this guy just fits the skill set you want of a red zone player, mm-hmm. big body, go up, catch the ball. And I mean, if they put him one-on-one on an Island with a DB, I think he could very easily box that DB out and win the catch, yep. you know, nine times out of 10. Yep. Okay. Dalton, who's your fourth? Speaking of boxing DBs out and amazing wide receivers, um, I just don't get this one. And it's Allen Robinson. He's at wide receiver 21. I have to he's, continually. He's slowly creeping up. He was like he 27 about a month ago. 
He is. And I have to continually move him up my ranks because Evan continually moves him up his ranks. What do you, I have where, to... where do you have him now? He's 12. He's one ahead of Cortland. Oh, I have him 15 left to go adjust the okay. race. So he's going to have to adjust it. Uh, it is... I, I have to do this every time. I just have to say the list when I talk about Alan Robinson. And it goes Matt McGloin, Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, Chad Hitty, Trubisky, Chase Daniels, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. That's the list of quarterbacks that Alan Robinson has played with. Okay, because, be, be, because I want you to be able to get out in front of this, what would you say to somebody who said, I just, with the way he looked last year, I know his quarterback was bad, but he also himself was bad last year. I just, I can't do it with this guy this year. What's your response yeah. to that? Uh, one, I, I'm just willing to give him a pass on that. And two, I legitimately, and this is not a, a way I like to argue, I think he was just sandbagging in, in Chicago. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be there. He was very, very vocal about not wanting to be there in the offseason, got franchise tagged, and just showed up. And then he played hurt for half the season. Um, in his career, this is the percentage of catchable targets for all wide receivers with at least 65 targets since 2015. Allen Robinson ranks 51st, 47th, 43rd, 32nd, 37th, 49th. Last season, all Rams wide receivers led the NFL with 79% of their targets deemed catchable. It is absurd what he's walking into. And then he's coming into the best passing red zone offense in the NFL. Inside the 10, the Rams threw the ball 58.4% of the time, which was second in the NFL. Inside the five, they threw it 65.9% of the time, which was first in the NFL. And then in the last five years, this is including the 2020 golf year where the Rams were pretty horrible. They have been second in the NFL in pace of play. They run the most plays, and they are one of only three teams in the NFL to target their wide receivers with 400 targets. It's not outside of like the realm of expectations to say Cup can still lead the NFL in targets and Allen Robinson can get 130. And there is just no world where Allen Robinson does not outperform his ADP. I think that this is going to be a really easy bet for like two top 15 wide receivers. And I don't think you have to even discount Cooper Cup to say that Allen Robinson can have a performing year. Robert yeah. Woods was wide receiver 12 while he was there. And Odell Beckham Jr., was more than serviceable wide receiver, despite not playing in this offense an entire offseason. Yep, so I'll, I'll give two more things to, to back up your points here, because obviously I'm, I'm a fan as well. He was still very, very good against getting open against man coverage last season. The question is, does the contested catch stuff go back to what it was before last year, which was monstrous. It was not good last year. As long as that comes back, I think I think you're, you're cooking with gas when it comes to Allen Robinson. This season, he he compliments Cup perfectly as Cup being the guy who lines up inside and just torches everybody in the slot. A Rob is that pure X on the outside. The Rams' number two receiver last year was at about seven and a half targets per game. Robert Woods has seen more volume than that in years past. I would bet Allen Robinson could see more volume than that this year, barring health, of course. He he's definitely one of my favorite targets in, in fantasy football. I will ask this to both of you because this is what gives me pause. Are we worried about this, like, Matt Stafford elbow stuff? A At first bit. I wasn't, and then it kept becoming a thing. But it also feels like two years ago with Dak, where there was that elbow stuff, and I got worried about him. Yeah, where Dak had the dead arm. Yeah. I mean, are you guys worried? Are you at all worried about that, Eli? No. I mean, they're not doing anything hasty. You know, they haven't gone out and signed anybody. Last I checked, John Walford was still their backup quarterback. 
that's the one thing I think you can be like, well, if they're not going to be drastic about it, why should we? And then two, I think when news is slow, any news is, you know, big time. And actually, I think you make a good point with the DAC thing. I wasn't antiquating that at all with it, but that's probably the best example of something we've seen like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not that worried about it either. It's just, I, it gives me a little bit of pause, not enough to adjust the ranks. But if we look back in three months and this all kind of blows up in our face and Cup is the wide receiver 10 and Robinson is wide receiver 25, I think it'll be because of Matthew Stafford's elbow, not because of really anything else on, on this offense. Yeah, until you know, they sign Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> this season. <laughs> like, I think it's important to note, too, maybe the messaging out of the Rams camp hasn't been great as well, because if you look at other starting positions, both their starting running backs have soft tissue injuries, and they're still not doing anything about it in camp. So, you know, if it's actually that serious, let's see them actually trade for somebody. All right, Eli, do you have any other guys that you brought to the table today? I have one that I think is, like, rather important. All right. try to be swift about it. All right, um, Let, let's hit it, person, and then I have one more, and Dalton and I have a co-my guy, and we are out of here. So let's. You want to be it. swift about it? Is that? No, that, you know, <laughs> I, like, I love that guy, but we're going to vary off. So this person <laughs> is going around um, underdog 52 or after, mm-hmm. and like the – a uh, couple other people I presented and where you can get a person that's essential to team structure. I don't often leave drafts without this guy. Um, that's Brandon cooks. So I've taken him in the early fifth. I've taken him in like the sixth. It, it just varies depending on the time of the summer. But what I can tell you is that last year in the rockiest of potential situations for Brandon cooks, he uh, finished as wide receiver 20 on a very promising um, acceleration of targets with the rookie quarterback, Davis Mills. So wide receiver 20 is the worst he's had in quite a while. Obviously he dips in and out of that like top 15 radius for a wide receiver. If you actually watch uh, games, he is clearly the X factor on the field. He has found this window of life and an opportunity where he's like, he's figured out how to be the best player, right? He knows how to get in situations. He knows how to mismatch against DPs. Um, but I can't argue against the numbers. Like I said, he's consistently got a thousand yards. He's always buying for seven plus touchdowns. And right now examining Houston, new coach, finally a running back to be excited about since Arian Foster. So we might have more (laughs) play action potential. He's got Nico Collins, kind of a sleeper in a lot of people's eyes, Mm -hmm. kind of buying up the second half of the field and just overall like line and playmakers getting better. So if I had to look at the situation from last year to this year, um, I was taking Brandon Cooks as wide receiver two and three last year. This year, I'm hammering him as a wide receiver two, mm-hmm. knowing he's probably going to be a top 20 guy very easily. Mm-hmm. With Cooks, so he has six 1,000-yard seasons in his career. You mentioned the 1,000-yard seasons. He's, he's got a lot of them at this point. Basically, the only year that I can read, I think he's had two years that he's been under that number. And one of them was when he was very injured, like three different times throughout the season. I would, I think he's wide receiver 25 last on last I looked on ADP. He's around that yep. range. He is going to finish above that. The only downside to Brandon Cooks, I think, is like there's not top five upside. Not that there's t- like, a high probability of top five upside for anybody in that range. But, you know, like, 
I can more easily paint a picture of a Rashad Bateman top five season just because the quarterback is better. But sure. I'm st- I still love Brandon Cooks at that value, uh, especially. Yeah, well, and the good news is he's with a quarterback who the the scouting report on Davis Mills when he came to the NFL was he always throws to his first read, and he does. And I also right. think might be the best quarterback out of that class currently in the NFL, <laughs> other than maybe Mac Jones. More 300 yards than any other quarterback. He didn't even play a full season. It's early. Uh, it's early. It's, it's early. Well, and of course, I don't think his ceiling is where the other guys are, but I still think he provides good upside where I'm a little more shaky on uh, – you know, associating anybody with Justin Fields or Zach Wilson mm-hmm. at this point. Okay, my last guy before we get into the co-guy, Dalton. I We talked about him on the breakout show, so I'll keep it pretty pretty swift here uh, to steal Eli's Ooh. line. Not DeAndre Swift. It, it is A.J. Dillon. It's the other Packers running back. I mean, I don't – this is the ADP that I am just the most confused by out of the entire landscape, I think. He's going as the RB23, essentially right where he finished last season. And I said this when we talked about him on the breakout show. Even if you don't forecast a bigger role for him with the departure of Devontae Adams and just another year in the league, he only rushed for four touchdowns last year. Like, the touchdown regression alone is probably going to boost him up a couple of spots because he would have been in the mid-teens with, like, a an eight touchdown season, which with his body build, like hello, Quadzilla, he definitely has the upside to, to score eight to 10 touchdowns more than that, frankly, but eight to 10 feels like a pretty reasonable number to, to hope for this season. He's going to be there between the tackles guy. He out carried um, Aaron Jones last year. It's going to happen again this year per PFF. He's gained at least two yards after contact on a league high, 75.5% of his carries since he entered the league. Just insane. He catches the ball better than people realize. 34 receptions last year. I was actually like floored when I looked back at that number and saw it, it was that. And I think we've mentioned Aaron Jones, the guy who his receptions are going to go up, and I think they are. And he's going to line up at receiver. I think A.J. Dillon probably catches the ball more this year too and just sees an expanded role because I he looks smooth. He's not like... Derrick Henry or Leonard Fournette, where it's like, I don't think this guy's a very good pass catcher, very nimble in the open field. He's just kind of the dump down guy. I think this guy could be a little bit more than that in the passing game. They have no receivers inside the top 40 of the ADP and one running back inside the top 20. I just think it's crazy that he's going as the RB23. I have him as the RB17 right now, and I feel like I've been taking him even higher than that in, in a couple drafts. Yeah, when I go hero wide receiver on underdog and only draft, you know, zero running back for five or six rounds, AJ Dillon is my favorite seventh-round pick. It's so easy for you to make a case for him to, you know, legitimately hit his ceiling. And I also think it's it's just – like I said with Aaron Rodgers' quote earlier and them putting their best 11 on the field, he is more talented than any of the wide receivers they have. That is not to discount their wide receiver play. It is just to give you an idea of how good A.J. Dillon is. And, I mean, we take Tony Pollard right now at, like, running back 25, mm-hmm. and then one spot in front of him is A.J. Dillon, who has a bigger role and is also one Aaron Jones injury away from being Aaron Rodgers' number one running back. Like, that is an insane upside that you're missing out on if you're not drafting him at such a cheap price. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
I wouldn't knock Pollard necessarily because I think like Pollard and Edmonds are definitely my favorite targets near him. But if I'm looking for that last guy to really shore up my running back room, if I can't get him, I don't take the risk on anybody else. Like even when it comes to like an Elijah Mitchell or I, I don't know, I would rather just take the guy that I know 150 carries 800 yards minimum plus, you know, 20 to 40 catches. Like what could it be? You know, he, he was in the mid thirties last year. So I, I would say, sure. he, I, I would say he could be 40 plus this year. Yeah. I definitely think that is in the range of outcomes and two back stuff could get really interesting with him and Jones running routes yep, for sure. All right, Dalton. We got to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster at some point in this show. He has probably been the guy that we've been banging the drum for the hardest the last couple of months on this show. While the rest of the world was caught up in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Oh, McCole Hardman is back. You know, Skybor, they drafted Skybor, which I like Skybor. But Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver 32 on the ADP I'm staring at right now. I'll, I'll let you start this off. Why Why is everybody missing the boat on Juju this season? I, I do, I'm going to say this first. Never are fantasy drafters going to let a Patrick Mahomes wide receiver 1A or B fall outside the top 30 at the end of this season. Uh, I'm not a big, like, let's let preseason dictate how I feel, but the Chiefs offense is legitimately humming. And it, granted, it's against Chicago and Washington, but this team got I, the I, appre- exact- I appreciate Juju having no catches and keeping that ADP nice and yes. low. Nice it's and cheap. low. Cheapest stack you're ever going to get with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And this is like what every Chiefs fan wanted last season when we played the Bengals in the second half. Was a guy who can get open underneath. The Bengals drop back eight guys so many times in that second half. And you just need a zone breaker. Because if you go man against Kansas City and we still have speed, in Miko and MVS and Sky, then you're going to get burnt by Patrick Mahomes, which means teams run a lot of zone against Kansas City. And Juju's best skill is that he beats zone coverages like he's, no other. He's an elite zone beater. And I think the best part about this for him is he's not even the best zone beater on the team. That's Travis Kelsey. Yeah. So who's gonna Maybe get no who's gonna get <laughs> who's gonna get the attention from the linebacker? To help, it's going to be Travis Kelsey. Juju is going to be in a lot of one-on-one situations against zone coverage. He is going to feast in those situations. And I think people think about Juju as just a, a no average depth of target type of guy. This is a guy that we, we've seen him make a lot of big plays on like deep crossing routes. He's a great yards after the catch guy. He's an explosive player. It's just not an explosive vertical threat. There, There's a difference. Well, and... He's 25. Mm-hmm. Like he's really—he was one of the youngest wide receivers to come into the NFL. He's one of the youngest at USC. His freshman year, he, he was, was 17 yeah. at one point in the college in his college career. He's incredibly young. He plays. For, low, he, he was 19 when he came into the NFL. Yeah, and but his the, his low age. The cards stack up. He's 25. He's played four years. He's getting paid 10 million dollars. Okay, <laughs> all those things come into a line. Does he have a family? At <laughs> Does he have a family? <laughs> Is Jared Goff his quarterback? <laughs> Uh. Okay, so I think to answer my own question to start this off, I think fantasy football players were an emotional bunch. A guy burns us. We don't want to go back to that well. Juju definitely burned you last year by injury. And then even the year before that, 
he put up 850. He had a lot of receptions, but it was like a uninspiring wide receiver 20-something type of season. With the corpse of Big Ben. But you have to remember, in this age 21 season, he put up 1,400 receiving yards. He became the fourth youngest receiver in NFL history to reach 3,000 receiving yards when he did it in 2020. Like you said, Dalton, I think he's the perfect uh, perfect fix to what ailed the Chiefs last season. And yeah, he may have some limitations as a player, but I think people need to forget about their incorrect expectations for Juju as like the dynasty wide receiver one that he was when he was 21. And just look at him for what he is, which is a good NFL player that is the number two pass-catching option on one of the best offenses in the NFL. Eli's looking like he might want to say he's doing... I think Eli was trying to think of who the number two is, but it's, I mean... Although I just think there's some things in the works, but... uh, And I totally buy that, because Mm -hmm. I think the theme of this year needs to be investing guys that have proven it in some way before. Like, there are 17 games, we're dealing with a whole different breed of fantasy football, and people are airing it out more than ever. Like, if you're going to go get receivers at a good value, go take shots on guys that have proven they know how to get 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Juju out where he's at. Let's play a fun name game with Eli real quick. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster or Amron St. Brown? Juju. <laughs> Michael Thomas. This is going to really throw me for a loop if if he says Juju. Well, okay. I it, it, In my thinking, like, I don't know if the Saints have one top 20 guy and two top 50 guys or whatever, or if it's just, like, three top 40 guys. So I'm going to say Juju. If okay. Juju has a 1,100-yard season and a couple touchdowns, let's take uh, Darnell Mooney? I'll take Mooney. Marquise Brown? Juju. Uh, DK Metcalf. DK. I actually love – DK was almost one of my my guys here just because Against where the I, I like him in July. Yep. Yeah. All of those guys are going at least two spots over Juju right now on okay. ADP. And I think they're all egregious. Uh, obviously, he's a my guy. Um, I even think, like, having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both over Juju is insane. But well, I that's have, a whole other conversation. I have Juju ahead of Waddle only by – a couple spots. All right, guys. Anything else to add before we close it out here? Um, Bailey Zappi. Bet the over on yards. <laughs> He's going to hit it. That is going to do it for episode. Wait, Eli, I'll let you talk. You know what? That was rude. That was rude. I know Dalton. I just, want, right. to Dalton I just want to say I have 69% exposure to Alec Pierce this year. I drafted Alec Pierce late. <laughs> <laughs> I love two worthless notes to close us out. That's going to do it for episode 79 of the Half Point for Podcast. Give us a follow on the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube, all those links in the show notes. The show is available anywhere you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that stuff. And we'll be back next week with, I don't know, I think we're about done with pre-draft coverage. We're getting pretty close to football. So very excited for what's to come. Big time blessings indeed. We'll talk to you all very soon. See you guys.